Hello, friends. Welcome to today's episode of the One Year Bible Tour Guide. I hope you're ready for the next leg of our journey through the scriptures. Today is October 31st. My name is David McAdam, and I am pleased to serve as your host as we read from both the Old and New Testaments. Today is Reformation Day, commemorating Martin Luther delivering the 95 Theses on October 31, 1517, triggering a widespread rediscovery of the good news of salvation by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. Post tenebris lux, after the darkness light. This was the theme of the Reformation. The entrance of God's word brings light. The gospel of Jesus Christ brings life and immortality to light. In other words, we see what eternal life looks like, what it means to have it, and how we can receive it through believing God's self-revelation in the Word made flesh. In the Word of God, we see the truth of salvation, the gift of God received by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, and we have it on the authority of Scripture alone. May the Word continue to do its life-transforming work today as we read it. Today we finish up the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament and continue in the book of Hebrews in the New. In the book of Lamentations, we are reading the final two chapters. Once again, these are two lament poems of 22 verses each, each verse beginning with the subsequent letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Lamentations chapter 4 verse 1. The holy stones lie scattered. How the gold has grown dim! How the pure gold is changed! The holy stones lie scattered at the head of every street. The precious sons of Zion, worth their weight in fine gold, how they are regarded as earthen pots, the work of a potter's hands. Even jackals offer the breast, they nurse their young, but the daughter of my people has become cruel, like the ostriches in the wilderness." The tongue of the nursing infant sticks to the roof of its mouth for thirst. The children beg for food, but no one gives to them. Those who once feasted on delicacies perish in the streets. Those who are brought up in purple embrace ash heaps. For the chastisement of the daughter of my people has been greater than the punishment of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment, and no hands were wrung for her. Her princes were purer than snow, whiter than milk. Their bodies were more ruddy than coral. The beauty of their form was like sapphire. Now their face is blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones. It has become as dry as wood. Happier were the victims of the sword than the victims of hunger, who wasted away, pierced by lack of the fruits of the field. The hands of compassionate women have boiled their own children. They became their food during the destruction of the daughter of my people. The Lord gave full vent to his wrath. He poured out his hot anger, and he kindled a fire in Zion that consumed its foundations. The kings of the earth did not believe, nor any of the inhabitants of the world, that foe or enemy could enter the gates of Jerusalem. This was for the sins of her prophets and the iniquities of her priests who shed in the midst of her the blood of the righteous. They wandered blind through the streets. They were so defiled with blood that no one was able to touch their garments. Away, unclean, people cried at them. Away, away, do not touch. 
So they became fugitives and wanderers. People said among the nations, They shall stay with us no longer. The Lord himself has scattered them. He will regard them no more. No honor was shown to the priests, no favor to the elders. Our eyes failed, ever watching vainly for help. In our watching we watched, for a nation could not save. They dogged our steps so that we could not walk in our streets. Our end drew near, our days were numbered, for our end had come. Our pursuers were swifter than the eagles in the heavens. They chased us on the mountains. They lay in waste for us in the wilderness. The breath of our nostrils, the Lord's anointed, was captured in their pits, of whom we said, Under his shadow we shall live among the nations. Rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom, you who dwell in the land of Uz. But to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. The punishment of your iniquity, O daughter of Zion, is accomplished. He will keep you in exile no longer. But your iniquity, O daughter of Edom, he will punish. He will uncover your sins. Chapter 5. Restore us to yourself, O Lord. Remember, O Lord, what has befallen us. Look and see our disgrace. Our inheritance has been turned over to strangers, our homes to foreigners. We have become orphans, fatherless. Our mothers are like widows. We must pay for the water we drink. The wood we get must be bought. Our pursuers are at our necks. We are weary. We are given no rest. We have given the hand to Egypt and to Assyria to get bread enough. Our fathers sinned and are no more, and we bear their iniquities. Slaves rule over us. There is none to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the peril of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Our skin is hot as an oven with the burning heat of famine. Women are raped in Zion, young women in the towns of Judah. Princes are hung up by their hands. No respect is shown to the elders. Young men are compelled to grind at the mill, and boys stagger under loads of wood. The old men have left the city gate, the young men their music. The joy of our hearts has ceased, our dancing has been turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head, woe to us, for we have sinned. For this our heart has become sick, for these things our eyes have grown dim. For Mount Zion, which lies desolate, jackals prowl over it. But you, O Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures to all generations. Why do you forget us forever? Why do you forsake us for so many days? Restore to us yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless you have utterly rejected us and you remain exceedingly angry with us. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament, and it concludes our reading of the Book of Lamentations. Lamentations, chapter 4, was the third poem of the four lamentations that begin with the Hebrew exclamatory, How! How the gold has lost its luster, the fine gold has become dull. Lamentations, chapter 4, verse 1. Not only is the prophet describing the appalling loss of the temple building's glory, but he is also describing the sadder loss of human beings falling short of the glory of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 23. The precious sons of Zion weighed against fine gold. 
how they are regarded as earthen jars, the work of a potter's hands. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 2. They are no longer vessels of honor. He describes their utter destitution. He says that their iniquity is greater than that of Sodom. You will remember that Sodom was utterly destroyed because of its wickedness in Genesis chapter 18, verses 20 through chapter 19, verse 29. It became the symbol of God's ultimate judgment. Here we read, For the iniquity of the daughter of my people is greater than the sin of Sodom, which was overthrown as in a moment, and no hands were turned toward her. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 6. He states that quick death by sword or sudden disaster is preferable to the long suffering of starvation brought on by the siege warfare which cut Jerusalem off from its food supply. The enemy surrounding the city wall prevented the inhabitants from going out to the fields for food. The plight of starvation and cannibalism is again referred to in Lamentations chapter 4, verse 10. The suffering is due to the sins of the people, especially the sins of their leaders, the kings, the prophets, and the priests. God does grant favor to His people. There will come a day when the judgment will be over. The chastisement will have served its purpose. One day the words will be heard, It is finished. John chapter 19, verse 30. The punishment of your iniquity has been completed, O daughter of Zion. He will exile you no longer, but he will punish your iniquity, O daughter of Edom. He will expose your sins. Lamentations chapter 4, verse 22. The fifth and final lamentation poem begins with the word, Remember. Lamentations chapter 5, verse 1. Once again, the first part of the last song describes the condition of the people as they go into the Babylonian captivity. They are forsaken, abandoned, and humiliated. Conditions of slavery have returned. Slaves rule over us. There is no one to deliver us from their hand. We get our bread at the risk of our lives because of the sword in the wilderness. Lamentations chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. The suffering affects every age group and every strata of society. In the second part of the song, the writer contrasts their present situation, in which they feel that God has forgotten them, chapter 5, verse 20, with the reality affirmed in their hearts. You, O Lord, rule forever. Your throne is from generation to generation. Lamentations, chapter 5, verse 19. God is in control. He rules over all, and therefore there is a purpose in their suffering. This chastisement is designed to turn their hearts back to Him. Therefore they make this request. Restore us to You, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as of old, unless You have utterly rejected us and are exceedingly angry with us. Lamentations chapter 5, verse 21 and 22. I like the King James translation of this, as it seems to articulate well the necessity of God's work in granting us repentance unto life. Turn thou unto thee, O Lord, and we shall be turned. Lamentations chapter 5 verse 21. Now let's go to today's reading from the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 18. Warning against neglecting salvation. Hebrews chapter 2. Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, 
and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him, for a little while, lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him, but we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation I will sing your praise. And again I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And this concludes our reading from today's portion from the New Testament, the letter to the Hebrews. The author of the book of Hebrews is making an appeal to the Hebrews professing faith in Christ, who are experiencing pressure from persecutors to regress to their identification and participation with the Jewish temple rituals to pacify their aggressors. He calls them to recognize the supremacy and sufficiency of Christ over all things. They should not return to the false security of their old religious system found in Judaism. All the temple's rituals and ordinances were shadows for which Jesus is the substance. After introducing the unparalleled glory of Jesus Christ as God incarnate, the full and final Word of God, the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his nature, and the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, in verses 1 through 3, the writer makes it very clear that Jesus stands above the greatest of the great in Judaism, because he is one with Yahweh himself. He is better than the angels. He is the one who made the angels, is worshipped by the angels, accomplished what angels could not accomplish, that is, making purification of sins, and he has been declared to be the Son of God in power by the resurrection, crowned with glory, 
in the ascension where he is seated at the right hand of the Father, and anointed as king, priest, prophet, and judge with the oil of gladness. He has been given a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can compare Hebrews chapter 1 verses 3 through 13 with the book of Philippians chapter 2 verses 8 through 11. Jesus is better than the angels in that he is eternal. Everlasting life has a beginning. Eternal life has no beginning and no ending. He is ever the same. He always was, is, and is to come. We can thank God for the ministry of the angels, but the purpose of the angels is to direct all to Christ and, as those appointed to deliver the heirs of salvation, that is believers, safely to Him. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14. In chapter 2, the writer continues his appeal that the Hebrews recognize that Jesus is superior to the angels and that the angels would have them boldly identify with Christ, worship Christ, and follow Christ. In chapters 3 and 4, he will explain that Jesus is better and regarded higher than Moses and the fulfiller of the Mosaic Covenant, having authored a better covenant. In chapters 5 through 10, he will explain that Jesus is better and regarded higher than Aaron, the high priest of the Old Testament, and that Jesus fulfills once and for all the perfect priestly work. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 19 transitions the reader from doctrine into application. The word, therefore, hinges the revelation, the doctrinal indicative, with the application, the pastoral imperative. Believers are not to retreat into that which only foreshadowed Christ. We are to draw near to Christ Himself. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, that is, His flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we read, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Chapter 2 of Hebrews begins with a therefore that hinges the doctrinal indicative citing Jesus' supremacy to the angels with a pastoral imperative. For this reason we must pay closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 3 We have been given a greater word than that which angels delivered to Moses on Mount Sinai. If heeding the word spoken by Moses was a matter of life and death, how much weightier a matter is our need to be obedient to Jesus Christ. The whole of their religious and national economy, the household rules of Judaism, was delivered to them by angels. But considering that God, who spoke to their forefathers in times past by the prophets, He has now spoken through His Son that He has finished the work of redemption and is the author of our salvation, shouldn't His word be heeded? There was a warning given in the Old Testament 
not to drift away from their allegiance to God's word. Now, having confirmed the finished work of Christ with the attesting miracle of his resurrection and the signs and wonders that prove his messiahship and the truth of the apostolic message, they must be warned to not drift away from their allegiance to the gospel. Hebrews chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. The kingdom to come is not going to be subject to the rule of angels, but the authority of Christ Jesus. See Hebrews chapter 2 verses 5 through 9. Jesus and his mediation of a new covenant accomplished what angels or the laws given by the angels could not accomplish. That is, he authors and accomplishes our salvation. He brings many sons to glory. In Hebrews chapter 2 verse 10, he makes it possible for repentant sinners who believe on him to be born from above, set apart, sanctified, and made members of God's family, so that he, Jesus, is not ashamed to call us his brothers. Jesus did in his human body what angels could not do in their celestial bodies. He partook of our flesh and blood that he might experience the death that God's holy law demanded for our sin. Because he, the Creator, died the death that the Creator demanded for the wayward creature, he thereby abolishes that death and he destroys the hold that the devil has to keep us in bondage to death. Jesus did not come to rescue the angels. He came to rescue those born of flesh and blood who, like Abraham, believe on him, the one God has promised. The purpose of the incarnation of the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, was that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for our sins, a sacrifice that averts God's wrath from the penitent believer. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17. This work was not done for the angels, nor could it have been accomplished by an angel. It was accomplished for man by God the Son, who became the Son of Man. As theologians have said, we are not quite sure who said it first, the Son of God became the Son of Man, so that sons of men can become sons of God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it this way, It is only because he became like us that we can become like him. We will read more from the book of Hebrews tomorrow. Now let's go to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, Psalm 103, verses 1 through 22. A Psalm of David, Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. 
As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts, His ministers who do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works, in all places of His dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In this psalm, the singer addresses himself. There are times we slip into states of unreality or emotional moods of discouragement simply because we forget who God is and the great things He has done. We need to be filled with the truth of God's Word, the powerful life of God's Spirit, speaking to ourselves these kinds of psalms. Wake up, O soul, and bless the Lord. Praise Him for who He is. Remember who He has revealed Himself to be. Praise His holy name. Do not forget His benefits. Think of what He has done and is doing for you. He forgives all your sins in verse 3a. He has provided and continues to provide for your good health in verse 3b. He has mercifully redeemed you from the pit of your deserved destruction in verse 4a. Out of His compassion and love, He shares all that He is and all that He has in verse 4b. He provides good ways and good things to satisfy your needs and desires in verse 5a. He renews your youth like the eagles. Think of what He has done and is doing for others. He works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He has given His word in the Old Testament. He has made known His ways to Moses and His deeds to the people of Israel. He has made Himself known not only as the lawgiver, but the lawkeeper on our behalf, the author and mediator of a new covenant, showing that He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. He will not always accuse nor harbor His anger forever, for there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Think of what He has done and is doing for us. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. As far as the East is from the West, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. His great love for those who fear Him is unsurpassed, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Think of His fatherly mercy in Psalm 103 verses 13 through 18. Recognize His sovereign rule in Psalm 103 verse 19. The psalm ends calling upon all creation to worship Him with audible praise. The mighty angels who do His bidding in verse 20. The heavenly hosts, the servants who do His will in verse 21. And all His works in verse 22. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 26 verse 23. Like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Beware of persuasive words that are only a thin veneer disguising ulterior motives. And we like to conclude our time of reading by going before the Lord in the light of what we have learned through His Word. Lord God, we acknowledge You as the giver of every good and perfect gift. 
we remember all the good you have done for us personally, for others, and for your redeemed people. You have manifested your justice and magnified your mercy in the sufferings that our Lord Jesus took on our behalf. In our turning, you have turned us. In our restoration, you have restored us. You are the source of our salvation. You are the center and the circumference of our joy. May we never forget our daily benefits. Enlighten our heart's understanding of your tender mercies, that we may continually draw near to you. In Jesus' name, Amen. This concludes our reading journey for today, but I'm eager to get back on the trail tomorrow, and I hope to see you there. If you do have any questions or comments, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you want to let us know, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of each day's commentary on the Bible reading of the day, you can subscribe to a daily email by going to our website, newlife.org. You can learn more about our ministries and missions there. And on this Reformation Day, may you be standing fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, celebrating the good news and all that it brings to our lives. God bless you. Shalom. Shalom.